Welcome to the KFA Podcast, where our mission is to keep faith alive by kicking ass. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about this episode because we get to have a very special near and dear guest to my heart on to join us, also my boss. So that's a little intimidating, yeah. but uh, <laughs> just playing around. Um, no, but really, really honored to have you come in today, Don. And um, I just, you know, when we when we do these episodes, many times it's, it's less about um, what we hope to come out of it, and more like we just want to put good people in the room and have a nice conversation because that's where the magic happens. So I, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself. Obviously, a lot of people in the KFA community already know who you are. You're a very familiar face, but if you want to kind of give us some of your background that would be awesome um well my name is don bodine i'm actually the manager of the vancouver office of uh, realty one group prestige and uh, i've been doing real estate for about 11 years now going on my 12th um my background literally before that was i was a contractor um i was a housekeeper um i come from um Lots of sales background, um, so lots of customer service. Uh, mm-hmm. Macy's, uh, as people know, but it was Meyer and Frank then. There, I just aged myself. Um, Nordstrom. What's that? Uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. See, he didn't. He's like, why do you call that Meyer and Frank? Yeah. Is that so, a hot dog? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. So, um, but uh, always been in customer service. Even when I was young, we actually uh, helped people open businesses and stuff, even though we never owned them. So I, I learned at a very young age uh, w- that the client I felt was uh, who you wanted to cater to, and that always kind of came back to you So in yeah. business. So. You know, I, it's funny. I always say people who worked in retail or worked as servers always make better real estate agents. Oh, I agree. Because you're more in tune with the customer. You've learned to listen yes. to, yeah. To what they want, yeah. yeah, and what they need. Yeah. So, yeah. Because when you're a server, you have to listen to them so that you can get that good tip I, off of them. You know, I agree. If I bring them the wrong dish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. I mean, it's all the same thing, right? It's just a, it's a people business. Learning oh, how absolutely. To... I think it's totally relational. Yeah. I think that's what it's about. And I think that's, uh, you know, even right now, that's what you have to get back to is it's all about the relationships that you have. Especially now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Uh-huh. So. Uh, so 12 years. Yeah, this is my 12th year. I can't believe it. It's that crazy. That went by fast. It did go by really fast. So, um, you know, I kind of hung out there for about a year just learning about it. I didn't even have my license yet, and I kind of went to KW because uh, Patty Sewold was gracious enough to kind of let me sneak in even though I wasn't licensed yet and learn, which I think was awesome because um, in that first year that I was licensed, um, it, it was a crazy market. It was like uh, so many houses, right, after the housing crash, yeah. and things were at rock bottom. and. Uh, all of my clients were like, yay, it's a great time to get a house, but they wanted to see, like, you know, all of them. So I had to learn really quickly how to set expectations. But, yeah, that uh, that was a great first year. It was like trial by fire. I really learned by doing. And uh, I sold 36 homes my first year in business. 36. So 36. Wow. Yeah. So that was, uh, like I said, it was a great trial by fire. And it, it also taught me to manage money, which I had never learned in my life. So Because everything's coming at you so quickly. And mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, getting things in place to help manage that, especially as a single mom, was super important. Yeah. So So that first year, was it 2011? 2011. Okay. No, 2012. 2012. I was there in 2011, but it was 2012. So it was like right when the market was maybe starting to recover 
a little bit. Yeah, it was. I mean, we they had the prices had tanked definitely, so they were mm -hmm. coming back. But you know, it was. I think everybody out there, it was a great opportunity to buy a house. Right. You know, and interest right. rates were still you know pretty good. They were five and six, I think, believe at the time, which. You know, I don't think people should be afraid of, but they seem to be. And um, but I learned through my first client that you you really got to set expectations and not let them run the right. transaction. You you still need to be in charge. So sure, but well, thirty six. Yeah, right. <laughs> in your first year, that's so unfathomable. Like you don't hear that very often. Well, you know, I think that I just was willing. I, I had worked so hard my whole life since I was like fourteen. I have like recordable income, right? Because my parents just. We didn't have summers really. We went and picked berries or we went and earned money because we were very poor. And, you know, mm -hmm. so we learned work ethic very young, you know, and there was a lot of things that I take from my childhood that I'd like to not have. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that that's one of them that I feel like my brother and I actually talk about it when we're together today. One thing we took away from a very abusive upbringing was work ethic, yeah. you know. So, um, and it was actually almost an escape, right? To go to work was like, okay, cool, you know, somebody else has yeah. the reins. I think over that's us. our generation, right? Well, yeah. Right, I think it mm -hmm. is. But, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's everything's built on that. So, well, and yeah. having that perspective of how hard you had to work with little to gain your whole life and then coming in and actually getting a reward for the hard work is probably. I think that that was the most difficult for me because to yeah. come into, you know, uh, I had always, you know, had fruits of my labor, but uh, I think to come in monetarily the way that it did very, sure. very soon was something that I didn't know how to handle you know, mm. right away, because it was like, all of a sudden you, you had enough money and time, no, not necessarily time, actually, <laughs> um, you had enough money now to kind of, um, I had to learn to take that money and leverage, you know, so that I could get sure. some of my time back because I was yeah. working, I mean, 36 that first year. And then, you know, I think it was 40 something. And then 63, my third year, I was working like 80 to hundred hour weeks. Right. And I still had three kids at home you yeah. know that wanted my time so i think wow when did i sleep but then it was like i was so excited about it but i had a very good mentor tell me if you don't find ways to really look at that millionaire platform you know millionaire real estate leverage 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 mm -hmm. you have to be okay but i came from such scarcity that I wanted, I was like, I finally have it. I don't want to let go of it, yeah. you know? But then I had to learn that, you know, like hiring my first assistant that third year when I did 63 was like, it was so smart. And I just had to trust that if I took that income, hired right, right. trained, and then, you know, gave away some of that stuff that I didn't need to hold on to, you know, which I encourage agents to do today when they get to that point, um, was super pivotal in, in allowing me to stay at a consistent level. Sure, not you know? crash and burn. And not and crash out yeah, and be yeah. like, I hate this now. I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Well, it gave so. you time back. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And time back with your kids because your kids were junior high at that time. Right? Yeah, you know, and my, I, I saw the path. I mean, God loved them. Even through divorce, I really, they just were like down a path that I couldn't veer them off of even with the big thing of divorce, right? And they mm -hmm. all got straight A's. They did the accelerated learning program. You know, my oldest literally, I knew she was going to get into a ton of colleges. And I knew through all that I wasn't yeah. going to, I wasn't going to tell her no, right? I was going to work as hard as I could to be able to afford to do that for her. And, and then when she comes to me and says, well, I got into Berkeley and I got in here and I got in here, I was like, okay, pick one, you know, right. and uh, I just, we'll, we'll handle it. So, you know, I, I didn't want to let them down uh, because they had worked so hard and, and made really being a single mom 
in most ways very easy because I didn't have to worry about the typical avenues that kids can go down that come from divorce. Sure. Lucky. So I was blessed, you know, so that that's the least I could do was support their dreams. So, mm. you know, now she's got an astrophysics degree, you know, <laughs> computer science and math from Berkeley. It's incredible. Yeah. She's, she's probably going to be on a, well, on a, riding a rocket into space. I'm just like, wow, I really don't have to sell houses anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. But, but having that probably, I would imagine, gave you kind of that why you needed to to want to like, like, cause, and this is something that I think a lot of real estate agents deal with. You hit a level of comfortability and it's like, this is more money than I've ever made. What takes you from 36 to 60 something. And most of the time, at least for me in my life, um, you know, it's, it's been hard to find that why, like I'm already comfortable. What, what drives me to make more? And I think right. it sounds like having oh. that I don't want to let my kids down. I want to give them the 100%. best. 100%. They were my, you know, I, I went to a class my first year. Uh, it was Brian Combs. And I remember, oh. you know, and, and I get the structure of it. It was like, what's going to make you uncomfortable enough to make you squirm and, and mm. any of the fight or flight kind of thing, right? And he said, you know, I want you to put in an envelope something you're willing to give up that literally you would be like, I am not going to lose this. Mm. And I remember thinking, I don't have anything to give up, number one. And number yeah. two, it's like... I don't know what to tell you. My kids are my why, you know, sure. I, I can't go home and disappoint them after they've done all of this, you know? So, um, I remember he came up to me after class and he's like, well, where's your envelope? And I said, well, I'm not going to give you an envelope. If those three kids, you know, I guess I can give you an envelope with their picture in it. If those three kids aren't my why enough, I, I shouldn't be doing this, you know? And, uh, I remember he just looked at me and, and laughed, but then we met a couple years later and, um, he actually, we sat across the table like this, and I think he thought I, there was some kind of was something that went on they wanted to discuss, and I actually remember feeling really respected because he got up from the table, shook my hand, and just said, you know, I, I'm keeping my eye on you, you know, you're, you're, doing, you're doing the right things, you know, as long as oh. your, your head's straight, you know. And, and I, you know, we do different very, business very differently, you know, and I think that's why I didn't really buy into what he said. I just knew my why. I knew sure. my why, and, and I don't think he needed any other explanation. He just, he could see it, so, and yeah. they've always been my why, even now, because, you know, I think your kids are, you, you know, your kids are always your kids, and they're still going to come to you, and, and I want to always be in a position where um, I can help them if needed, right, whether yeah. that be monetarily, mentally, through my work ethic, through ways that I live my life, but um, I do think, you, I agree with you, your why changes, it has mm -hmm. to change because kids grow up and they graduate and they go off sure. and live their lives. But my why is still building a dream that um, I don't think a lot of my family have ever had. And some of that is owning homes, you know, and uh, I think that that's a pivotal part of my business is, is helping break generational curses, you know, of, of not being able to afford a home or all of the stigma that goes around with that. I mean, I was a... I was an apartment dweller for 15 years, and um, <laughs> I, th I look at the income now that that, you know, $191,000, right? And yeah. I think I use my thinking to help other people and go, you know what, if you just would have given up this, if you just would have done this, or if you just would have talked to the right people, mm -hmm. somebody could help you get in a position of equity. You yeah. know, and, I, and I, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I mean, I've been bankrupt. I've been, you know, without a home. I've been apartment dweller. I didn't buy my first home until I was 42. And I'm talking my first home ever, like not even with my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm not embarrassed to, to sh share it, you know, and I think that helps people that think that it's not achievable. Well, it you helps know? you relate right. to the client a little bit better too, I think. Right. I yeah. think you have to share what you've been through and you have to be real with people in order to help them 
go, okay, this is achievable, right? And she's mm-hmm. just like me, right? Because right. I can pull up and have nice clothes on or have a decent car, or, you know, or they know I live in a house or they've seen my social media building. and But yet they can relate with me because I've been where they've been. Yeah. And nothing that they share with me is going to be something that I'm surprised by or probably haven't experienced myself. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, we live in a world of highlight reels and, <laughs> yeah. and the stuff that you see all the time, like, you know, people... I love stories where people hit it big on their first, you know, especially being someone who's young. But I will say, like, for me personally, it's probably done more harm than good because I, for a long time, fell in the trap of comparing myself. Like, so-and-so is sure. younger than me, and he's clearly doing better. And I think a lot of people are like that. So, like, the fact that you're able to bring that vulnerability in and show people, one, it's not too late, and, and, and two, you can be completely transparent about all the things you you did wrong or failures or learning um, opportunities, of course. Right along the way that led you to where you are now. And you're not just showing what what everybody else is showing. Well, and I think my son is a good example. And, and this happened like a couple years ago before he moved out of my house. And um, I remember he called me one day. I was on a business uh, trip. And he said he was crying. And I was like, wow, what's going on? And he goes, he goes, I screwed up. And I said, what do you mean you screwed up? And he goes, I should have went to college. I should have. I should have. And all these things. And <clears throat> I'm going to be a failure. And I said, but, and, and I know the words were given to me by God because I didn't really know what to say to him, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, and I said, God, I said, really? I said, Bud, do you realize, how old am I? And he goes, well, you're like 48. And I said, um, okay. I said, and think about how, how our life was not even 10 years ago. Yeah. I said, we were living in an apartment with two bedrooms. You were sharing, you know, your sisters were sharing a room. You know, um, we barely, you know, there were times when mom didn't necessarily eat much because mm-hmm. she was making sure you had what you needed. And um, look at how far our life has changed because of decisions and timing. You know, I said, yeah. everything happens in its time. I mm-hmm. said, and I don't think, had you guys not been where you were, had things not happened in my life, I would have had the success in real estate that I had. It was all supposed to happen when it yep. was supposed to happen. And I know that sometimes that is frustrating, but just keep driving forward, you know, and, and your time will come and it will fall in. And, and, you know, most people have five jobs before they find their niche. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying there's not people like you that you, you find your niche, you know, but well, I, I do think that most of. people don't really, you know what I mean? You're still But I'm growing. the same way. Yeah, um, you, know? you know, I went through a lot of that um, and really like, Personally, I don't want to take much of the time on myself here, but I thought that, you know, retail real estate, trying to grow a business, I at one point was growing a team and I was very young. Um, and then some things happened there where I lost a lot of my enjoyment for the business. And I realized mm-hmm. like, oh, like I, the whole time I thought this is, this is it. I found it on, you know, my first try. Sure. I'm going to keep doing this. And then I started realizing, you know, when I get that phone call or a lead call, I started going, gosh, I really don't want to. And like, as soon as you start realizing yourself losing the passion for it, you know, I had some, some serious <laughs> reevaluating to do myself, right. um, which it didn't mean that I necessarily had to drop everything and go do something completely different. It's just, I had to find a slightly different Right. You lane. just pivot a little bit. You know what I mean? You, you may, yeah. you may, uh, I think all of us have to really reevaluate at some point, you know, and you're, you're doing this a little bit, you know, there's certain things that we do that still have some of our passion in it, mm-hmm. but I think there comes a time where you go, okay you really kind of have to do that pro and con list and how can mm-hmm. I still incorporate this? How can it be a part? And you're doing some sure. of that now, which I, I love seeing. I got to be honest with you. I love what both of you are doing right now. Larry and I have a long, long relationship mm-hmm. and, and I've, we've had many conversations about where you're going and, and I, I'm as big as cheerleader. I think that, but it's hard to take that leap. 
and I know you had you had to decide what the timing was to take that leap because it's it's a big you. I see you kind of growing through through this, through KFA, through Cardinal, through your real estate still. Mm-hmm. And I think that my life has literally been one where I think one of my passions is mentoring people or encouraging people to live their dream. Yeah. You know, and you can see that through some of the podcasts that I've done in the past. I wanted to be here today to just go, I've been where people are at. And if I can support people in any way to live their dream, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter the money. It, it, it matters if you can live your passion and sustain a life, you need to be doing it. Yeah. Because what are we here for? Sure. No, and I agree. And I think like probably something that I can certainly relate to your, to your son with. And I, and I, and I know this cause I, I have a lot of friends, um, who are still trying to figure out their way. And I, and I, I don't want to say coach them, but a lot of them come, have come to me for advice. Like, how right. did you find something that you're already so invested in deep in? And, um, it's something that I think a lo- our generation really struggles with because we want to figure it out before we take the first step. Right. I, I've definitely struggled with that. Like, right. I want to know if I'm going down this path, I'm not going to wait six months. But it's 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 a false it's a wrong perspective Absolutely. because it's it's only until you understand that you know like we're not scared when we drive our car at night because we can't see beyond the headlights we, we just right. it'll, the path will continue to re- yes. reveal itself and you have to have that faith and that trust but for me at least I'm like that's where the spiritual uh, side is really growing for me because that's the only place I could find that right. comf- com- comfortability because I want to have everything figured out before I take action most often. And, and I think a lot of young people, we see other young people who are crushing it or have these sports cars at 25 yes. or whatever. And we think that they have just figured something out that we haven't. And we want to sit back and try and figure it out before we start going on something. And, and I think we're a lot different. I think our generation was different. You just had to go, you know yeah. what I mean? And you had to figure it out along the way. And I think that, that, you know, when I say I learn by doing, I really do. And mm-hmm. I think that I, I agree with you because you're probably, I, how old are you? 25 now. Okay. Yeah. And my daughter is 27, the one that I've talked about. And mm-hmm. I think her whole life, the struggle has been, and you're very intelligent. I, I see a lot of, you know, correlation there. She has struggled her whole life with, and it's silly, from the hugest decision making to the smallest of like, it took her a year when I told her she could have a new mattress to <laughs> decide on one. And I was sure. like, this is not that difficult. It's okay. And actually, right. we can buy one and get it from Costco and we can send it back in 30 days mm-hmm. if it's not really what you love. So, you know, but um, I understand it. I think you guys, there's some of this gener- your generation that's a lot more, you've got to overanalyze everything. And, and, and some of it, I think, and I, I might be speaking out of turn, and my daughter has actually uh, said this is true, is fear. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's a and scary world. It's we, confusing. Yeah. And it is. And I'll be 100%. honest, I, if I was, uh, my kids, and sadly, so have said, they don't see themselves having kids, and they're very afraid with what's going on, and that's mm-hmm. disappointing to me, but also understandable. I think that we were those children where it was like mom and dad were both at work. You figure it out. You know what? Yeah. I mean, um, you, you, a brother and sister helps you figure it out, whatever you just, you know, my, one of my analogies with my brother right now and, um, is we talk a lot about when we were young because we came from a divorced family as well. And my, our mother lived in California. So we spent summers in California after a few years, you know, we just, we would go stay with our mom and, um, but it was just him and I in LA. So she yeah. would never let us go anywhere. It was like when she was at work, we were in the house Mm. but the one thing we could do is go swimming well I didn't know how to swim and one year my mom just said your goal by the end of the summer you better teach her how to swim well I will tell you that took a week because he pushed me in the pool and he just said (laughs) yeah literally I sink or swim right so I, I, I think that 
that is how we have lived life. And I'll tell you, there was a period of my life where I let a lot of fear rule me. And part of that was just because I was, there was a lot of abuse mm -hmm. that went on in my life. And I think that that coming out of that was brilliant because I learned that if I could take some of that, learn what I wasn't going to do and, and, and survive that, mm -hmm. There wasn't Piece a lot of, of other things I couldn't survive. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and I really like where this conversation is going, actually, because it's, it's actually really fascinating to compare the generations and what's changed now. Mm -hmm. I think one thing for kids is, you know, Ed Milet says, like, kids learn and lessons are caught, not taught. Like, we, we, we learn by seeing not really what you're saying to yes. us. You're telling us to get it a good job, a steady job, college degree or whatever, yes. pay attention in school. But the kids are yes. sitting here going, mom, you don't look happy, yeah. right? Like this isn't the dream that I want. Well, so my daughter said that to me. Okay. <laughs> I just mean that like so many kids see the people telling them like, you just need to go, go get a job, start somewhere or whatever. And they almost go, well, like, yeah, but to, to what to just end up like you like I don't want to have to be strapped to a job and never be able to retire and mom like I'm not going to be able to like there's no social security when I become you know right. si in my 60s that's not going to happen yes. the future in the American dream kids are very much like waking up to it I think what's being taught in school kids are very much aware like this doesn't really matter yes. and as that continues to progress I think their faith in taking that step if it's not in their head gonna amount to them being able to retire or like Agreed. if they can't see the path, they don't want to waste their time. And I, I noticed that that's a, that's a very common theme that's happening. My, my little brother is do, dealing with a lot of that right now mm -hmm. himself. And I, and I agree with you. And I think that's something I learned through, cause you know, I have three children. Every one of them is different, right? There's different, you know, and I'll, I will tell you, there's some, some, also some, some things there that you see from first to third child, like the baby, right? She's just like, both of them combined and she's going to be like, and I'm going to show you both up, right? I'm going to mm -hmm. do what you do and you do, and I'm going to do it times 10, right? So mm -hmm. there's no stopping. Comes to me at 14 and says, hey, sign this. And I'm like, what's this? She's like, I got a job. And I'm like, you did? And she's like, yep, I'm going to work. I just wow. need you to sign this, right? My middle child, my son, which I think that, that no offense, boys do take a little bit longer to come to the table. But, um, you know, he was just like, yeah, whatever. I'm cool. I got my video games and mm -hmm. I'm at home and everything's posh and mom's bought us a house and yeah. it's cool, right? Not that he didn't have drive because he still did all of the things that his sisters did, you know, uh, uh, educationally. But then there's the oldest child, right, that's like she's got to show everybody and lead the way, right? And she really did, but part of that was was uh, really weighed heavily on my son, and this is where I want to go. He came to me at one point, and he was like um, in the car. I had picked him up from something, and he said, uh, Mom, I don't want to do it. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he goes, I, I don't want to do college. And I said, oh, okay. And he said, well... I said, why, why, what's, what's going on? And he said, um, I really feel pressured by you and dad, and we were divorced at this point, that this is, I'm supposed to do what Brittany does. And I mm -hmm. said, I don't think I've ever said that, but, and he goes, but then I had to step back and go, okay, but what have I said, right? I had, really quickly, I went through the conversations in my sure. mind, and I thought, I was complicit in that, right? And I had to stop at that moment, and I knew it was a moment that I had to, to make him feel like, you need to decide for yourself. You need to decide. And I said, the only thing I think that I should have stressed more was I just wanted to see effort. 
right? right? I just wanted to see effort out of you, right? I felt like you, that I had made things so good for you that you just stopped trying, right? And, mm -hmm. and that also he was so phenomenally intelligent, almost more than his oldest sister, um, that he it was just easy. He's like, but I don't need to do the homework, right? And I'm like, but yeah. you still get graded on the homework. You mm -hmm. still have to do it. So I just need you to sh meet me halfway here. So, But in that moment, I just said, bud, the only thing I want from you, from you and for you for your life is to find your passion and, and do it. Mm -hmm. I said, and if I can make it easier for you along the way to do that and not have to do what we did, just get out, go get a job, whatever, because you guys keep telling me, but I don't want to be like you, mom. I don't want to just go, well, great. I did 30 years at the railroad or I did sure. 30 years at the, you know, real estate or whatever. And you know, whatever he goes, I think you love your job, mom. He goes, but I know dad never has, you know? And I said, well, buddy, I think this is the moment where you decide what is my passion? What do I want to do? And how am I going to get there? Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to go to college if you don't want to. I think that we missed a very, uh, there's a hole there now in your guys's generation because we so encouraged college so long yeah. that the trades people are now retiring and we have none of that. Big issue. We have none of that. It's a huge issue right now. Talked about so, that on our last, or one of our right? recent podcasts with a, with a guy in construction. And, and so I think we miss the mark and some of that is our generation's fault because we were just like get a job and go to college mm -hmm. and you know work while you're going to college and and I think we missed a pivotal role that we had there to say but you know what it's okay to be a great electrician or it's okay to be the yeah. best mechanic and and if you want to own your own business you know in, in and be the best mechanic in the area or you know I think we missed an opportunity there and now we've created the gap a little bit don't you think I agree yeah 100%. you know so we we now have to find a way i think to help fix that and the only way i can think i can do that is through showing my kids that i'm living my passion yeah i'm living my passion through real estate and through mentoring others to hopefully um you know grow into real estate i mean uh, I'll, I'll mention her name diana rutherford you know uh, we talk daily probably and i think she's a phenomenal force coming up in the business I, yeah. you know i think there's there's people like angela nesty you know that have come along with me that just really paves a great way of doing great business you know helping other agents work playing nice in the sandbox which is something i always say you mm -hmm. know we're going to have to deal with each other later. Most of us right. that stick around, you probably want that person on the other phone end of the phone to have had a good transaction mm. with you. So showing some of that kind of um, thing to my children is hope is hopefully the legacy I leave with them at this point, even though I think we all screw up as parents at some point. <laughs> Your kids are going to come to you later and tell you something you did wrong. So, you know, you sure. can't fix it all. But, you know, hopefully now I can show through my own actions and through things that I'm contributing to, you know, including this, um, that that everybody can live their passion and still give back and still, you know, mm -hmm. help other people. So, and they don't have any dreams of getting into real estate. Huh? Oh no, it's quite the opposite. I said, well, why don't you just get it? And you know, you can make some money while you're going to college. They were like, Oh no way. We see what you do. And they hear conversations on the phone and they're like, we don't want to do that. So yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah but you know, and I think that's, again, we tend to think grass is greener on the other side. So I think like, with kids, they're always going to pick up on like, it's not perfect. Well, like nothing's perfect. No industry is perfect. You just don't, it's hard to know what you're going to enjoy. Sure. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think like what I realized and I, and I sat down myself when I started to realize that I was losing what I thought was my passion for the real estate industry. Mm -hmm. When I dissected it, I really realized, well, no, what I'm losing my passion for is dealing with clients that I actually don't love. 
working with. Sure. So I need to make sure yes. the clients I'm working with from now on are ones that were like, this is fun and I enjoy my job. Right. Uh, maybe less online leads and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I realized what I most enjoy about the business is the people side of it. And what I don't enjoy about what I, how I built my business in the first three years was I, the, the relationship side lacked, like it was there, but it was more sales, more deals, more transactions, more priority over the relationship mm-hmm. side. Right. So getting into where I'm at now, well, it's not like, and again, this is where I think, you, you know, taking a step, you don't, you never know where it'll lead you. I couldn't be doing anything in KFA if I didn't understand many facets of real estate and be, and know a lot of people in the industry and been involved and know what I'm talking about. Cause I have some experience in this. Right. Um, but what I found is like, I get to take the relationship side. I work a lot with agents now, other lenders, building the whole community. And that's the most, like, it was never about the homes and the architecture for me. It was about the relationships along the way and right. the fascinating conversations, conversations like this. Right. And so I, but how would I have ever found where I'm at now if I didn't take a step into something and then realize after a few years, at one point thought I wasted time, you know, going down this industry because I'm not loving it anymore. It's mm-hmm. not forever. But it was. It was all taking a step and leading towards something bigger. Well, and I think all of those things that we do, I, I like to look back and see them more as building blocks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that's part of what you talked about earlier. You know, everybody, you know, I feel like your generation is a little bit afraid to step out until they know everything, right? Failure th- to launch. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think that everything I've gone through in my life, including the abuse growing up, you know, that that directed me, you know, to just to follow the path of the kind of woman I was going to be. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to be manipulative because I saw that going on with my father, you know, and my stepmom. She would just manipulate him into believing things that weren't true, you Mm -hmm. know, and and what what could I do because I was just a kid, you know, Um, and and surviving that and then and coming through a marriage, you know, where you decide um, who you're going to be right? And how you're going to step out of that. And that was very hard to leave because I didn't want to, I I come from divorce. I didn't want to put my kids in that situation, but I also knew, and my oldest probably said it the best. She goes, mom, I know you shouldn't be with dad, but I don't want you to be with anybody else. And what she meant was until you figure your stuff out, (laughs) don't be with anybody else, right? Do life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's funny, you get so much wisdom from your children. Right. And, um, but you know what I mean? We do. I, I, I think we do. And I think it's actually wisdom that we've maybe imparted on them. And then they're, they're showing it to us in a mirror, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think that everything we do to speak to what you're doing leads to where we are, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that you can have the perspective of, oh, my gosh, I wish I never would have chose that. I decided about 11 years ago that I wasn't going to have that that mindset I was going to be like what can I take away from this and how can Mm -hmm. I plant that with what I'm doing now yeah right and 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 how can that further go out and I think this is why KFA I saw what you guys were doing very early on and I was like I need to be a part of this because you and I are are very similar I come from contribution I have and the relationship part for me of this business has always been what so important and that's with each and every client and I can tell when I'm getting off track and it's getting very transactional because I don't feel good Mm -hmm. I don't my gut doesn't feel good um you know and uh it's easy to get there right because I mean I will tell you during COVID it was just like right and you were like whoa what just happened right and things were flying so hard so fast to reel back from that and go but wait a minute there was such a huge piece missing for me right why how am i feeling about this and i think that uh i want to teach other agents that you can be in it for the money 
but I will tell you that you're not going to be long for this business mm -hmm. and you won't probably feel very good about yourself because this business is about relationships and that's mm -hmm. how it's going to stay sustainable. Yep. It's going to stay sustainable through things like this, through building relationships with your vendors and through building relationships with other agents, believe mm -hmm. it or not. I used to think that that wasn't important, but I actually think that it is because I've learned through on that. two pivotal times uh, of multiple you know, offers on transactions mm -hmm. and also having to work through some very hard deals, that relationship with that other broker is super important. Absolutely. I've noticed that just since KFA. I mean, I've had a couple offers this year get accepted. Um, and I know in years past, like I was the same way. I have a fiduciary due to my client. Yep. You know, fight, fight, I don't need that. to get back to this agent as soon as she asks. Yep. Like I always had this, yep. uh. um, but I had a couple offers this year get accepted simply because they were like, they, they called me up and they knew about KFA and stuff and mm -hmm. it played a part. And, right. and so, yeah, I mean, people knowing you and having that name and they know that you have a good reputation, things like that. It's right. actually incredibly important. Maybe not in every market as much as, you know, equally, but if we get back to those 10 offer situations, which inventory is not going, going no. anywhere. So it probably at some point will, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's good well, to have friends. And I think that we get in this, um, you, you talked about the, you know, fiduciary duty and fight for your client. Well, I, I think that that can still be very cohesive with the other agent sure. because at the end of the day, yes, we do work for our client, but we work for the transaction and keeping it together mm -hmm. and getting both parties what's mutually good for Absolutely. both of them. And if you have an agent on the other end, I, I have, I have because of the mentorship and, and managing the office in Vancouver, I have a so many opportunities to help agents grow in this and mm -hmm. and like i had one of them call me the other day and she's like don i just feel like i'm fighting tooth and nail and i said you know what you probably are but here's what i'm going to tell you is just like when you came to me and we did our first deal together and you were a brand new baby agent and you tell me every time or other people that she helped me through that whole process and she could have just stepped all over me and mm -hmm. she could have just been like oh my gosh you're so exasperating and instead you helped me right. um you know, it went a long way. I said, this is your opportunity. I mm -hmm. said, I don't know that other agent on the other end. I, they seem fairly new. This is your opportunity to do the same thing, mm -hmm. you know, that, that you felt like it was a gift for you, right? I said, and I, yeah, and I understand it's very frustrating, but you're gonna leave an impression. You can leave an impression of just, oh, you're exasperating and mm -hmm. you just make me so mad and now I'm gonna play yep. hardball because I'm the senior agent. Yep. And then they're going to remember that or they're going to remember that you took a minute and you helped them. Yeah. You have an opportunity here. I feel like at least, and I, I don't, there's no stats that I'm referencing here, but my gut feeling is probably 20 or 30% of the deals that fall apart uh, could have been avoided if the agents didn't get in the way. Agreed 100%. Um, because and, you're and, negotiating repairs, yeah. you're negotiating dollars, you're renegotiating, you know, feelings even, which is very difficult, right? Um, mm. But... I think we have a hard time because we're human, and this was hard for me, to separate our fight in it mm -hmm. from what's good for the client, right? Because sure. we just, we get all up in it and emotional as well. And sometimes we have to have somebody that checks us, and I do that for people and people do it for me, where we go, okay, have your five minutes of really bitching about it. And then you know what, what are we, we're going to talk about what's important here, right? right? Are we going to add the hurt feelings addendum right, to the right. contract? A absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, but my client, you don't understand what they've been through. Well, at the end of the day, some of those things matter, but it really doesn't because this is about a transaction and you're there to facilitate. I, I, I'm like you, I have agents come to me all the time and, and I have to try to sift past it and go, but you know what? I really love houses and I just love showing them and blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, 
Okay, well, you should probably be a showing assistant then, you know, yeah. and you might not be the master negotiator, but we right. can help you pass that. Let's dig a little more. But I will tell you the agents that come in and, and, and they really are like, you know what, I understand this is actually a service-based right. you know, relationship business. It's not about the house. The house is going to sell itself anyway mm-hmm. to whoever the buyer is going to be. And well, and let's not forget the house isn't our product. You are your product Absolutely. that you're selling. Absolutely. So this isn't car sales. We're not trying to sell Toyota or Hyundai no. and convince people on our product. We can sell any house, right? So so it, it's, it's less about that house. It's more about are they sold on you? Do they want to work with you? Do they love you? And I think if we get out of that, I think if mm-hmm. we get out of that, we will stop having that car salesman mentality mm-hmm. thrust on us, right? You know, yeah. um, there's so much bad stigma. And because there has been a lot of people get into the business. And, and while I want everybody to be successful in whatever they want to try, I'll be honest. I kind of hope half of the people that are just playing at real estate or got right. a license because their cousin told them mm-hmm. to because they might be good at it. Um, let the rest of us really do good business here and yeah. build the build it back up to be what it was. You know, when uh, I came in, there had been almost as many agents, I was told, you know, a couple years before when the boom was. Mm-hmm. And then it fell down to like 1,200 agents in the county when I started. Yeah. And I thought, cool, right? And we're back up to those numbers. And then I keep getting these people that call me and go, well, I'm working with so-and-so. And I'm like, I don't even know who this person mm-hmm. is. I don't even have any basis to give you no. on how to deal with them other than just play nice in the sandbox, right? you know, so it's, yeah, that's, that's a difficult thing. I do think that naturally, you know, it's, it's already happening. It's, it's thinning out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but there's a lot of people that are just doing it. Cause, and I noticed this, I think real estate's one of the w- one industries where if you have a relationship to a family member, or maybe, you know, one person who could send you business, like yes. you have those connections, yes. people get into the business cause they already have some potential deal flow, nice little side income. <laughs> Why not take those checks? Which right. I get it. I mean, yeah. it's appealing. It's like, a nice check. Side I mean, hustle. Yeah. Put mm-hmm. your kids you yeah. know, through private school or whatever you want to do. Right. And, um, but I think, yeah, I mean, if, if you're not taking it seriously and seriously in the sense of like actually can't, doing a service to the client, the other other clients on the other end, it's a dangerous place. And I think we've definitely been there for a while. Well, and I think that, you know, Coming from contribution and that customer service level that's so high is so important because, you know, I go in and I have, you know, meetings with my clients. And and to be honest, it's very nice to be in a situation because I wasn't my first three years. I felt like I had to take everything that came at me and whatever came at me, right? And I had to learn over those three years to establish boundaries and what I was willing to accept and understand actually that I could fire a client. Right. You know, I could I could choose, right? Mm-hmm. And and I and it's very hard to have that discussion even with some agents that are only doing three or four a year. They're really struggling with a client and I'm like, listen, right. you don't have to be abused. Mm-hmm. Let's try to take some of the reins back. And if you can't, it's okay to step away and maybe, you know, refer it out. Go, you know, I, I have actually had an agent that's been in a business a long time and I think she's just ready kinda to be like, Okay, I wanna just take the deals that I wanna take and if sure. that's five a year and she said this I have a real bad bulldog. I think you can handle him. Can you give him a call? And I, she goes, but he's interviewing every agent in the business. And I said, okay. I said, but thank you. Yeah, I'd be happy to pay you a referral, you know, whatever. And, and I went and I won the deal. But I think it was just because, number one, I felt like I didn't have anything to lose. I was just trying to sell sure. myself and what I had to offer in their situation. And uh, the fact that I was willing to work hard, that I understood at that moment in time, it was a multiple offer uh, situation and that I was going to be on top of my game. Right. You know, and that's what it was about to get them what they wanted because they lost out on so many deals because she was a little more timid and, you know, mm. she goes, this, this is what they need. And I said, okay, let me try, you know. Um, but I, I think that um, 
I think that people's mindset and who they are really shows up in this business. Mm -hmm. And it shows up quickly because if your motivation is not about that relationship, I think it's not going to be the business that you want it to be. And it won't be repeat business because Mm -hmm. when you leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth with the biggest asset they have in their life, um, you become part of their family because you're dealing with their kids or you're dealing with their dogs, you know, um, and you're dealing with their money and the hugest asset they probably will ever own. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to keep everybody together everybody happy, you're a counselor, you're all these things, everybody's talked about this. You know, if you if you fail at one of those components, it's gonna make things difficult for you in this business to stick around. Yeah. And your clients become good friends. Like you, you mm-hmm. have this party that you do every year. Oh man, it's so the fun. Rod run. Yeah, we do this rod run every year. And I used to actually, uh, when I had a house in town, uh, I had it at my house. And there was one year I remember I had a house in Fisher's Landing before I sold it last year. And um, we had 120 people just come and go. And it was awesome because, right, it was like I got to be with all my clients again, be with all the vendors that supported me, be with my family. And they got to kind of see who I who I am and who yeah. I deal with and, and meet some of the people. And I always tell my clients, you're, you're going to become my friend, whether you like it or not. And I say that at the beginning of the meeting. And I'm like, no. Seriously, I have a party every year, and you're going to want to be there. So um, we just did this one, and uh, we're on property out there uh, in Washougal now, and we're going to build a house, actually, and we're dealing with the Gorge Commission and doing some of that. But I really uh, have had a lot this year. This was actually our fifth year doing this as the annual rod run, and I really was – we had to move it like three times. And uh, I thought I was going to kind of lose people. The people that showed up in droves and the way you were there. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it's fun, you know. And it wasn't quite the 125 people, which I get disappointed. And I, I don't know why I do because I think that I just want to see everybody. It's my time to kind of mill around and really get everybody in one room. And, and uh, part of that outfall is people make friends and they meet other people. And uh, some of that comes back to me. Um, but to get to spoil everybody at one event um, is awesome, Good right? Fun. Yeah, you know, and next year we're going to do it again. And um, my hope is to have my brother there. He's fighting leukemia right now. And my hope is that he's there to enjoy it with us. And, you know, it moved this year a few times because of that. But, you know, the best compliment I get is um, that people show up, want to show up. They look forward to it. And that somebody calls me later and they're like, we're getting together with so-and-so for lunch or dinner or whatever. You know, thanks for hooking us up. You know, they're such great people. And um, I get to share what I've know about these people already with everybody mm-hmm. that comes so we'll get yeah. a cool live band next year i know right we yeah. should every year we kind of add one more component so like you know uh the food is amazing i, I think you got to oh, do, yeah. my cousin does the food he's, he's awesome and i keep trying to get him to do food cart but i know he has he, he has so many irons and so many fires, but he has graciously done the food almost every year for me. We have also have a friend that usually, um, and he's been sick, does uh, a pig in the ground for us, mm. and we do this big ceremony. Kalua. Um, yeah, Kalua pork. Um, but, you know, we added karaoke this year. God love him. Ruben came, and he set up his whole thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, but, yeah, next year a live band would be fun. Everybody gets to go in with my goats. They get to go play with the goats and the chickens and all that kind of stuff. So that's fun for the kids and stuff. But uh, we're going to have cows soon. And hopefully next year we'll have the framing of our house up so people will get to see that. But this year we kind of had the groundwork done and we had uh, plans up for the house. So that was fun to share. Baby steps. Everybody. Baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. Baby goat steps. Yeah, baby goat steps. <laughs> yep. We're going to have the Brady Bunch, you know, more camera time with them. So yeah. Cool. Anyway, yeah. Any, uh, <clears throat> any last thoughts you want to leave? the audience with or like what's on your mind you know what I think that I just want to be here today because I I had a really tough upbringing Mm -hmm. 
and I'm not going to get emotional, but maybe I am. Um, <laughs> but I think that what came from that was grit. Yeah. Was um, identifying the person in the room that might be struggling and giving a hand out whatever yeah. way I can. <laughs> um, because I think it just takes one word sometimes to change somebody's life. Mm-hmm. You never Absolutely. know the struggle that somebody's having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that if we all get back to that, I think things will change. The world would be a much better place. Mm. America would be a much better place. And it place. doesn't take much. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's you walking out of here and just noticing somebody's head down and yeah. just saying, hey, right. oh my gosh, you look amazing today. Or whatever it is that comes to your mind to just give them a minute. Mm-hmm. You know? Suicide would go down. Struggling would go down. You know? Neighbor would help neighbor. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's that. on my mind and weighing heavily on me now. Yeah. So. Like, I feel like we need to tithe with our energy. Um, yes. even more than with our finances. And I, I make one prayer every morning uh, when I pray, and it's it's literally just, God, give me the eyes to see the person that oh, needs that today. Yes. Because I want my attention, you know, I just, and it doesn't always happen, but when it does, I feel that shoulder tap nudge, like, hey, you should talk to this person. You know, and, I think it, I think you're 100% right. I think mine is, is similar to yours. It's It's not just eyes to see, it's ears to hear. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you can be standing there even in line, mm-hmm. At, at the supermarket and hear that somebody's struggling and just be like, you know, I heard uh, in line, not to go off on a tangent, but um, somebody was getting ready to lose their house and they just mm-hmm. were talking to their, um, I think it was their sister or something. I don't know who the person was, but um, I was like, you know what? I have the best finance people. Let's see if we can help you save your house. You know? Mm-hmm. And I, they said, well, who are you? And I said, I'm a realtor. And I said, don't worry. I don't want to sell your house. I actually want to help you yeah. stay in your home. And I, I had to help do that with one of my clients that said, Hey, we have to, we have to sell. She called me three weeks ago and I said, why do you have to sell? I just sold your house like 2020. Mm. And she goes, we can't afford the mortgage anymore. And I said, no, let's, let's find a way to keep you in. And we kind of had stumbled through that. And then she said, no, I I really think we need to sell. And I said, well, what are you going to do? She said, we're going to rent. And I said, rent's way higher anyway. Let's, are you sure? And, um, she said, yeah, let's get it ready for market. So I started doing some of the plans and, um, she called me about a week later. I really prayed about it that night. I was just like, I don't want to do this. It felt awful. Right. Yeah. And I just thought, I don't want to do this. And um, she called me a week later and she said, we're going to make it work. And I was just, I remember That's being great. so relieved. And you know what? We're all struggling right now. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that I've had, I've had a tough year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, personally and professionally, you know, and um, I'm, I am encouraging everybody. And this is something I leave to to get back to the basics. You need mm-hmm. to be about relationships, calling your people, coming from contribution. What can you do for them? Not what can they do for you? Right. Right. And, and that all comes back. Right. Mm -hmm. We know that we know that through tithing, we know through that tithing with our time, you know, um, you don't have to have money to be part of thing, the solution. Right. It's just a phone call. That's right. It's a text message. Absolutely. Just a quick email. That's right. Or stop going through the emotions, you know, like, or the the motions of how how we socially greet the waiter and say hi. And just like, yeah compliment them go do those open houses talk to all the people you know what i mean i Mm -hmm. always tell agents you know who'd you call today who'd you talk to and not about real estate who did you connect Mm. with you know what i mean because i don't care all the bigs will tell you that you know tom ferry everybody you know it's it's a it is a numbers game right but it's like who did you really talk to today that's in your top 20 percent that takes care of you and you take care of them Mm. because no matter what when they think about real estate after that they're going to want to be successful and they're going to want to 
you know, just like us, we like our vendors to be an extension of us, right? Well, right. nobody's going to refer you that they would be embarrassed about, right? If you're doing and about yeah. all the right things and taking care of your people. Yeah. So I've gotten away from it, admittedly, but um, one thing that I've really tried to practice, I need to get back to this is a great reminder, um, is just like one or two people a day. And it's just like, who comes first to my mind? And I just believe like that's yes. the person I should call. Because this business, we have our database and, you know, we know we should touch them this many times. Mm-hmm. It's so scheduled sometimes. Yes. And I just like to be like, who knows, but maybe this is the person that first comes into my mind for a reason. And that's who I should call not tracking it, just... who God put on your heart. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Why is that that name there, right? I called Patsy mm-hmm. Hatch the other day, speaking of what you're saying, and she literally was like, oh my gosh, my house flooded. I had to put all the flooring in. I wow. actually wanted to call you, but I know you're going through stuff with your brother. And I said, you know what? Wow. All the stuff I'm going through with my brother, I keep trying to tell people, I still want to love on my people. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of sitting happens with my brother. Call me. I yeah. would be grateful for the phone call, just so you know. You know, <laughs> just to have another you know, diversion from, you know, all of the seriousness that's going on. So, sure. yep. Call your people, write thank you notes. Oh my gosh. Write yeah. notes of just like, you know, everybody loves opening a handwritten. Put them in the mail, man. Put them in the mail. You know? Yeah. We still enjoy getting mail. Like yes. I go to the mailbox, like, I know, like right? open up the mailbox. <laughs> Jer- they've been sending Jerry cards up there. Um, my brother's fighting leukemia, like I said. Um, and I just actually asked, um, you guys have been so gracious, but I said, hey, I'd really like to just plaster his wall when he goes in for um, the stem cell transplant with cards, right? Just a mm. well wishes because he's going to be, uh, you know, four months of isolation, guys. He's not going to be able to see his family, but also four weeks in the hospital. Wow. You know, really just kind of even very solo, you know. And I said, wouldn't it be great if he just, you know, those days he could look up and just see cards. And I will tell you, there's actually a a group of them that actually are sending like a card a week already now. And he he didn't even know that I did this. And uh, he went and opened the mail because he's like, what? And somebody sent like a Yahtzee game anonymously and we played it. And, you know, just like all these little things, like uh, took note of like... um, his wife had written this whole thing, and so somebody sent him like a Dodgers thing, and you know, a beanies because you know you lose your hair, and so it's been awesome. So you know, things like that, you know, you just that means a lot to him, and he just you know he's he doesn't even know how he goes when I'm done, I'll know how to. And I said, you know what, we'll do it at my party. We'll have you there. Mm-hmm. Everybody will get to see who we've been we talking go. about, and you'll just get to thank everybody. No better place. Yep. So, Absolutely. Anyway, thanks for having me here today. I really appreciate yeah, you appreciate coming on. It, so. This is a great candid conversation. Thank you. Love you, girl. Love you, too. (laughs) Thanks. All right. KFA. KFA.